you'd want to know what your role is going to be in the crew. So a lot of times the crew chief, if they're experienced, um, they might be... They might be the cook. They might be the medic. You know, I had to pop a lot of nasty blisters during Cocodona, <laughs> and, you know, I've lost count on how many blisters. Hi, this is Steve Denton, and I'm a big-ass runner from Lexington, South Carolina. Welcome to the Big Ass Runner Podcast, where we entertain and encourage trail runners from around the world. Now, here's your host, the original big ass runner, El Jefe, Jeff Harrell. Well, Steve, thank you so much for that amazing introduction. I think Steve's a fairly recent listener and was binge listening to a lot of the episodes. So thank you, Steve, for listening to the show, supporting the show, and for that amazing introduction. Yes, I am Jeff Harrell. This is the Big Ass Runner Trail Running Podcast episode number. 101. We are so grateful for you that listen to this podcast each week and want to say thank you for all the amazing feedback we got on our 100th episode. Lots of encouraging notes and messages and emails and all kinds of things. So thank you for that. We wanted to create a show for the listeners, for the Big Ass Runner Herd. And apparently uh, that's what we did. So thank you so much for all the amazing feedback. We have a great show planned for you today. If you've ever been nervous or worried or just curious about how to help crew a friend or a fellow runner or a family member, maybe you've had a little bit of experience, but it didn't go as well as you wanted, or you just want to get better at it. We have a great segment, segment one. Coach Greg is here to help us really get dialed in on how to be a great crew member for our fellow runners. That's one thing about trail running I think is amazing is there's really there's this ecosystem at races. You've got the race director who's planning it out. You've got all the volunteers who are executing that plan. You've got the aid station volunteers, which we've done that before. That's amazing. If you've never volunteered at an aid station, highly recommend it. We would love for you to serve with us at Bandera in January, by the way. Then you've got the runners, obviously. That's why everyone's there is to support the runners. But then you've got the crew and the pacers. And I just feel like for me, I've had a couple of folks asked for me to help them crew. It, it didn't work out. They actually ended up not, not running those particular races. But you sort of like you want to be the best crew member, the best pacer that you can possibly be. And that's what segment one is all about. And then segment two, we bring back a very popular segment that we introduced to several, maybe a couple even months ago. It's called Jeff, I Was Wondering. And we've gotten some great questions from the Big Ass Runner Herd. So that's segment number two. But before we get to that, just a couple of things. One is a couple of corrections from last week's show. I made a couple of mistakes. That's kind of on brand. If there's not a mistake or mispronunciation or something, it's probably not the Big Ass Runner podcast. A couple of things. One, my gut instinct said that Madonna was from Michigan. And then I thought, oh, maybe that's just 
a mistake, the same mistake I made when I said that Kiss was from Michigan because they have a song called Detroit Rock City. Well, it turns out I should have gone with my gut. One of our listeners pointed this out to me. Bay City, Michigan is the hometown of Madonna. Madonna Louise Ciccone, 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 maybe. She left Bay City. Is it the Bay City Rollers? I'm like, that's the same Bay City. She left Bay City, Michigan when she was just 19 years old for New York City. So it's kind of right, kind of not right. Should have gone with my gut. Madonna from Bay City, Michigan. A lot of listeners out in Michigan. High five to those out there, the Michiganders. The second error that I made is I said the song Save the Best for Last. My gut said Whitney Houston, but I knew that wasn't right. And then Timmy Time said Celine Dion. I'm like, oh, yeah, Celine Dion. No, it's it's the greatness of Vanessa Williams. My apologies to the Big S Runner Herd who are out there listening. Who I've got this reputation as a musical savant or something, and clearly not the case. But I had to correct that one. Vanessa, the great Vanessa Williams, sings Save the Best for Last. So a couple of corrections there. And then the other thing I wanted to hit on is Western states. Everyone in the trail running world probably knows that there's kind of kind of the U.S. Super Bowl trail running anyway is Western states. It happened by the time this podcast drops a week or so ago. Great race, 100 miler, really hot conditions this year. But what I wanted to call out was the encouraging fact that the coverage of these big important races is getting better and better and i think it's because of the bar that era vipa set with cocodona where they basically had live coverage almost the whole time and western states had a live youtube going the entirety of the race now there were certainly some technical issues from time to time it's very remote, so a lot of it was pixelated. But man, what an amazing opportunity to follow these runners. We talk a little bit about it with Coach Greg, but just love the fact that coverage of some of these races that we all aspire to maybe run someday, or some we know we're never going to do it, but we just admire these runners. And you know, Western states is certainly the elite, but there's a lot of non-elite runners who win the lottery get in that way. So following them as well. So just excited about the amount of coverage that we're starting to get now with some of these big, important races like Western States, like Cocodona 250, and hopefully more like Leadville and others as well. So wanted to call that out. Well, with that, let's get going on episode number 101 of the Big Ass Runner. Well, I'm very excited to have back on the Big Ass Runner Coach Greg, Coach Greg, welcome back. Thank you. It's, it's been a while. I thought I, I thought I put it on the blacklist or something. <laughs> no, no, you're you're welcome anytime. You've been a little busy, actually. I'd like to catch up with you a little bit. You you crewed at a very significant race 
a race that you actually had run the year before. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, so I had the honor of going back to Coconona for the, the second year of uh, the Coconona 250, and I was pacing Tommy Gulch, who also paced me last year. So, yeah, it was a great experience. It was nice and different to be on the other side as far as the pacing and the crewing, just to experience it in a different way. And honestly, it was harder. <laughs> <laughs> was it harder? Yeah. I was going to ask you that. Did you? Was it harder to run it or to crew it? It's a tough yeah. crew because it's, it's a point-to-point. Yeah. So you think uh, it was harder to crew? It is. And we've talked about this before. I don't think we've talked about my coconut on this podcast. But when I ran, we had four people in the crew total. My wife was kind of the crew chief and had a friend whose who's sole responsibility was to drive and help out. So it was mostly non-running related. And then we had two people, Tommy and Bryson, that were my pacers. So everyone had pretty good roles and for this one it was just due to schedule conflicts and honestly it's a little bit more expensive to pull <laughs> off Cocodona this year yeah. with the rental and so we were working on a skeleton crew with two pacers and myself who was kind of doing crew achievement but I also ended up pacing about 40 miles I think wow um, so it was running, we were running pretty ragged because you couldn't just, when you finish running, you couldn't just go take a nap because we, you know, we were kind of overlapping in roles. So I felt pretty beat up from the crewing, at least with the running. Obviously, it's not not as easy as running, but at least with the running, you can just compartmentalize. You're just focusing on yourself with the crewing. And I'm sure we'll get into, we might get into that later, but you, you know, your self focus is on your runner and making sure you're doing everything to take care of yourselves. And sometimes you forget to take care of yourself as far as the sleep. Um, some you just get amped up going and hang around aid stations, you know, your people are coming in, you're just seeing everything and it's hard to wind down and, you know, kind of escape and take a nap when you need to and eat and drink and take care of yourself. So a lot of that kind of, it's easy to fall to the side when you're focused on someone else. So it can add up obviously just with the travel and moving and going for four or five days straight. And I think that's one of the reasons I wanted to chat with you is is a lot of us that have run races have never crewed. And sometimes we get asked to crew and you get a little bit of like, oh, oh gosh, <laughs> I don't know if I want to because I, I fear letting my runner down. So I'd love to talk to you a little bit about about crewing, some of the do's and don'ts. And you just said, you know, one of the things is you're you're so focused on your runner that maybe you don't focus on yourself as and you've got to keep yourself healthy and you got to have nutrition and hydration too because you got you got to be there for your runner is that maybe one of the, the hardest things about crewing is making sure you're taking care of yourself right. as well it is so you know when you're running at least ultra running it's one of the few times that parents or people with other responsibilities we can kind of be completely selfish for at least you know 24 30 hours if you're doing 100 that regular life gets pushed aside for a little bit and you can kind of just focus on yourself and then you have your crew taking care of you now when you're asked to crew or pace, it's, you know, it is, a, it's a huge honor. Someone is putting the race in your hands. So it is a huge responsibility. And a lot of times it's probably the most, one of the most selfless things you can do. You're giving up a weekend, you know, depending on the race, you're giving up days of travel, taking vacation for work, depending on the setup that you have with your, uh, or the agreement that you have with your runner. They may be paying for your travel or you may have volunteered. I've done both. So in the past, if it was 
you know, if it was a race that I wanted to go to, if they're I'm volunteering for Western States or later, yeah. I'll pay my own way to go because I want to experience it. But, you know, other cases, people are wanting you to be part of it. And, you know, it's something that you kind of agree to in the beginning where they're not. If someone's asked, usually my default is someone's asking me, then I, I would expect that they're taking care of the lodging and the travel. But, you know, if it's a big race, you know, and I say, hey, I just want to go. So I've paid my own way as well. So you're giving up a lot and you are to take care of your run. So it is one of the most rewarding Obviously, one of the most exhausting and one of the most selfless things you can do, at least in our sport, is to, to be a part of someone's race. And it is a great experience, especially if you haven't done a race of that distance and you want to get exposed to some of the highs and the lows because you really don't know what goes on until you see it. And usually that happens after the, you know, the 60 mile mark when night comes and the S hits the fans. So, um, <laughs> yes. You see, you see the good, the bad, and the ugly. Yep. I would imagine, especially in a race like Cocodona, and and most people probably won't be crewing a, a race that long. Yep. So I, I'm curious. And I'm glad you brought up the the paying. I wouldn't even have thought of that. Like who who actually pays for the you know the travel and the lodging, and that makes total sense. If someone asks you, yep. you'd almost expect them to, to pay for something. Mm-hmm. And then if you're raising your hand, say I'd love to to help yep. you, then then you're it's kind of on you. That that makes total sense. Well, I'd love to, to take a step back. So if someone's crewing, let's say it's, it's maybe not a 250-mile race, but maybe it's a 100-miler. It's an overnighter. It's a long race. What are what are some of the do's and don'ts? Like in your experience and as a crew chief, kind of what are, what are, what's top of mind for you? What are you thinking about? Yeah, so uh, I think the most important part, and we talked about this a little bit earlier, is to, you know, plan – weeks in advance you know what's who's going to be part of the crew everyone needs to have a defined role so there's too many cooks in the kitchen so you you'd want ideally if for 100 you you want a crew chief someone experienced uh, that's kind of you know uh, hurting all the cats and depending on how many pastries you have whether it's one to three they have their defined roles and the crew chief can kind of take care of everybody first of all the runner and then depending on whether it's a 100-mile race or 250 where we're traveling between aid stations, they can kind of take care of everything. So you'd want to know at least uh, what your role is going to be in the crew. So a lot of times the crew chief, if they're experienced, um, they might be... They might be the cook. They might be the medic. You know, I had to pop a lot of nasty blisters during Cocodona. <laughs> and, you know, I've lost count on how many blisters that I popped. So ha- having someone that can do some trail side triage is important. And then, you know, when I say cook, you know, sometimes we're just, you know, heating up heating, heating ramen, up ramen yeah. or, you know, heating up mashed potatoes or uh, any kind of specific foods that the runner uh, would like. So there's a, there's a lot of roles that can be played but you you the most important thing is you need to know what that expectation that the runner has of you a lot of times uh you know you don't want to wait until sometimes we'll some of our bigger races will have a crew pacer meeting like the week before if possible to sit down but it's preferable that we have that weeks in advance just because it's like, oh, when you're talking to someone, it's like, oh, I need to order this. Sometimes we don't, you know, Amazon can't deliver <laughs> overnight. Yeah. So you want to be able to have all the things that you need for the race ordered in advance. So um, preferably having a crew meeting where everyone talks about the roles, the expectations that the runner has. And when it gets to pacing, you know, how, 
if you're not just crewing and you're going to be pacing, how does the runner like to be paced? Do they even know how they like to be paced? It might be the first time. So if you are an experienced person, you may tell them what, you know, what's worked for you. Um, if someone asked me the pace, they're just going to get the way that I pace. I pace from the front. I kind of run a little bit ahead and kind of pull them along and, you know, I keep them in earshot and in eyesight, but I, I prefer to kind of have them chase me and I'm not a, I'm not a big talker. So if you need someone to tell you good stories, that's probably, <laughs> I'm not probably the person for you. So you need to, as you're a runner, if you're the runner, you need to decide what what type of pace are you want? Some some people don't want to be talked to. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, can you just be quiet? I just need some time. So the most that you'll get from me is, hey, good job. Let's keep moving. And having those kind of roles defined and how you, if you're the runner, how you want your pacer to, uh, you know, run from the front, from the side, from the back. You know, if it's bad water, you have to stay behind them. That's actually part of the rules. Oh, is so, it really? Um, I didn't know that. If you're pacing, you need to know what, the rules of the race are you can't you might not be able to crew outside of the aid stations there you know it might be 100 feet you can't just pop up in the middle of the trail and start handing off water people you know i think uh, one of the elite runners got dq'd at hard rock because their crew handed off water outside of an aid station so little things like that you don't want to be there you don't want to be the reason why your runner gets dq'd you know some most of the Majority of the trail races are a little bit more relaxed, but, you know, when we get into some of the higher profile races, uh, there's definitely, especially when they're competitive in the front end, you want to know exactly what the rules of the race are so you aren't the one that ruins your run day. There's so many nuggets in there I want to ask you about, Greg. I want to start with what you said at the beginning, which is the preparation. Is that a series of meetings with your runner, and is does the crew chief kind of lead those? And, and are you asking things like, you know, what kind of hydration do you like? What kind of nutrition do you like? Do you like something early versus later? Do you want to talk versus not talk? Is it is there almost like a checklist of yeah. things you're going through with your runner? Yeah, so I guess I'll, I will come from it from my experience. So usually, um, regardless of whether I coach them or not, I, I am putting together a an eight station split chart where I know exactly where all the eight stations are and you know, these times won't be exact, but, you know, if we're aiming for a 24-hour finish, we'll have some estimates on this is when you're going to be at mile 25, mile 50, just so you can help the runner plan on, you know, okay, you're going to be mile 50 at 6 p.m. you probably have a change of clothes, grab your jacket, you know, obviously have a headlamp, things like that. So if you are the crew chief, if that is your role, the runner thinks you at least have some experience. Yeah, um, I was going to say, it seems it like that's vital to have that experience. Yeah, yeah. you've seen it different ways where um, if you're an experienced runner, sometimes you bring people you're comfortable with, just people you can count on. But sometimes those people have no idea what goes <laughs> on in 100 miles. And I've seen, I, I saw it earlier uh, this year at Rocky. We had a few different people running. We had some experienced crews. We had some crewless and we had some that never crewed or supported a runner before. And sometimes it's chaos. You know, they didn't know, hey, can you get my jacket? And it's like, which bag is it in? Is right. You know, so they had no idea what's in the bag. And part of that is, part of this actually is on the runner. You know, they need to help the crew as far as, okay, this is at 
the first loop. This is what's in my loop one bag, nutrition, clothes, and this is my loop two bag if we're in loops or whether it's aid stations or as a runner, you need to help out your crew sure. as far as the organization. So they just don't have to start pulling everything out of your bag uh, to get what you need. Um, so part of that is the you know the planning in advance. So you can't just do that the week of. So hopefully for you know, this is a big race. So, you know, you've been training for months, so you can actually put some planning a little bit ahead. So being able to plan out all the drop bags and that way your crew knows exactly what is in what, and they can just grab it without digging through your whole bag. That's a big piece as far as the organization. And and it's easier. It makes the stress levels for everyone. I've seen runners yell at their crew, just like, hey, just, yeah. just get my, you know, they don't know, but the crew doesn't know where their stuff is right. because they didn't tell them, you know, and then the runner, you know, he'll, he start digging. Let me, I'll just get it. And I was like, <laughs> okay, this is, this is madhouse. So yeah, the organization part will save stress levels for both the runner and the crew. And the crew for sure. Yeah. I like what you said too about understanding where the runner might be at a certain time. Cause I wouldn't really didn't think about that. I think it's something you pointed out to me when I did black Canyon is like, Hey Jeff, it's going to, it's gonna, you know, the sun's going to be coming down when you're at this aid station, you might want to have your jacket and your poles. And right. so understanding pace is important. Understanding where someone's going to be understanding the weather situation and being able to plan ahead. Right. But then sometimes maybe the runners either, either faster or slower than right. you thought. So imagine you've got to pivot too. Yeah. You definitely have to pivot. I think the pace charts are, they could get blown out of the water at the first, sure. at the first aid station. And then you'll just have to adjust and you know, it's, yeah, we can do that on the fly. On the pacing side, it it is a you know it's a game of hurry up and wait. So you're like, oh, the runner comes in and you you know you're there for like five minutes. You're just sitting there. Okay, well, let's go <laughs> to the next aid station. They might not be there for hours. So without expectations um, on you know how long it's going to take. Sometimes, depending on the race, like at Cruel Jewel, we were able to um, because we knew when to expect our runner we could go back to the house we had time to lay down or take a nap or go back to town and get some food so if you don't know as a crew when to expect your runner you might you know you might be rushing to go to that remote aid station three in three hours you've you skipped a meal and then now you're starving and you may you may be running out of water you're not supposed to just go fill up at the aid station that's for runners right so i think for on the crew side, just knowing when to expect the runner gives you leeway on, okay, we have time. You know, we can actually sit down and have a meal. We don't just have to grab fast food and then it gives you time to take care of yourselves and you're not rushing because it is like a NASCAR pit stop and you're rushing when they show up. But then most of it is just, just, just a lot of downtime. So at least if you have a accurate projection of when you expect them, you know, you can you can take naps, set an alarm like, OK, they're going to be here at one o'clock. I can set an alarm for 1230 and wake up and we still have you know 30 minutes of cushion to expect them. But if you don't have any expectation, you're just going to speed over to the next age station. You'll just be standing there on your feet for two hours and <laughs> where are they well they're really not going to be here for another three right. hours so just having a good goal or an accurate projection on when they're going to show up will save the crew a lot of stress and allow them to take care of themselves in the meantime this is great i think we could write a book on on how to crew so preparation super important organization super important knowing your role super important 
if you're going to pace, kind of understanding what your runner needs right. as a pacer. And then I, I wonder too, as a, as a crew chief, you're, you're probably having to play a lot of different roles, like counselor, right? <laughs> uh, yeah. Medic. You mentioned medic, yeah. cook. I, I guess my question is, what variations do you tend to see from runners? Because I imagine you're going to see the best of them. They're probably great. They're feeling great. Yeah. They're doing well. Everyone's happy. And there's certainly, I'm sure, some times where it's the opposite. Like they're right. hurting, they're struggling. They maybe they're sick. They're not can't keep food in. Talk a little bit about how you have to adjust to your runner in yeah. those situations. Yeah. So I think as the crew chief, and I think it's, I'll admit it's a little bit easier in my role because typically I'm crewing for someone that I coach. So they just by default they already kind of have to listen to me. Well, they don't have to listen to me, but <laughs> they, should. they yeah they typically do. So it's, it's interesting with sometimes the dynamics of what's in the crew. So you you typically have again your crew chief, a more experienced runner, and then you may have the significant other of the runner. And sometimes. And I've cautioned this before as far as having your significant other as your pacer, or they can definitely be part of the crew, but you might not want to have them as your crew chief because there's a certain level of tough love yeah. that you have to give. And for me, and I'm a, I, I guess I can be a little bit different, and Fiona can to my wife as she's paced and crewed me before, where they need to be able to compartmentalize. At least with Fiona, she's seen me through, you know, several hundreds and I've seen her through a few hundreds as well. So we kind of know, okay, this is normal, you know. <laughs> He's not being <laughs> a jerk. Yeah, we look like <laughs> yeah, we look like crap. We might yell at each other a little bit, but we're fine. But sometimes if you get a significant other that may not even be in involved in trail running or especially ultras they're like oh my gosh he's in you know he or she is in pain it's like well no this is normal pain <laughs> yeah know? yeah and their it bands flaring up it's not you know let's let's be fair it's not going to cripple them right they can keep moving they'll right. be fine or you know they're this exactly what they're supposed to look like at mile 80 they're they look like crap so you know if you have significant others or someone you know parents someone that really loves you and it's hard to turn off, you know, compartmentalize that and, and give tough love. That can be a problem. So sometimes the family members will have to kind of defer to the crew chief as to, you know, obviously you want someone that's not just going to push you to a broken bone or you sure. know, hyponatremia or, you know, rhabdo. But you obviously you would, you would already have trust in your crew chief for that. But they definitely, you want your crew chief to be able to give you that tough love and kind of push you out of the chair when they know that you have more to give. And so you have to make sure that the <laughs> there's some agreement with the family members that, okay, this yeah. is what we're going to do. We're going to push them a little bit more than you probably would. Uh, but obviously we're not going to put their health in danger. Right. But uh, they're going to hurt. Yeah, they're going to hurt a little to a lot. So that just needs to be the expectation. I would imagine that really is set up ahead of time. Yeah. So saying, hey, here's what's going to happen. He's going to be hurting at these you know certain points in time. Yeah. I'm going to push him. Right. He's going to be fine. You need to be okay with that. Because I can imagine as a, as a loved one, seeing your loved one in pain yeah. in a place you've never seen them before. Right. It's, it's horrible. It's awful. Yeah. yeah. So you've just got to prepare them. So it sounds like preparation. Right. We keep going back to preparation, yeah. preparation. Super important in this. Well, that's great. Well, the last question around crewing is if you think about a crew chief or even part of the crew, what are the characteristics 
you think someone has to have to be a, just a super good crew member? Yeah, you know, organization, obviously. Um, yep. As far and we've talked about that, the planning. It's not just the week of the race. It starts start well in advance, especially for again races that we've been training for for months, and then experience. Yeah. You want someone that not necessarily has done this race, but has, has knows exactly what's going to happen. You know, this is some kind of experience with the race of that distance. So they shouldn't be a complete newbie to the sport or the distance. So it's just the, you know, you want someone that because they've had the experience, they also have the calm. So, you know, it goes back to being several roles. So, you know, you're sometimes you're a sports psychologist, you're the cook, you're the medic, but you also need to be, you've seen aid stations or when people come in, it's just, just a madhouse. Sometimes people are in a hurry, but you need to have the crew chief to be able to calm everyone down. Everyone, you know, sometimes we have five, six people trying to take care of one runner. And, you know, I went back to the NASCAR analogy where it is a pit stop and everyone just moving and going. It doesn't always have to be like that. You need to have someone that calms everyone down. It's like, well, yeah. know, we're not in a hurry. <laughs> you yeah. know, five minutes to 10 <laughs> minutes is not a big difference. We're out here for five days. Yeah, Let's right? calm down. Um, so you kind of, you want your crew chief to be the voice of calm and not add additional stress to already stressful situations. So uh, the runner is going to feed off the energy from the crew. So from the top down, the crew needs to have someone in charge that is kind of keeping everyone level-headed because you'll get, you know, you'll get conflicting, especially for crews that haven't worked together. That goes back to another piece. When you're picking your crew, make sure you're picking personalities that yeah. kind of mesh up. Sometimes it's easier when you have people, a lot of people with experience and people that get along and have have run before. But sometimes that's not possible. You know, I've I've uh, had stories of you know friends that kind of had to cobble together a crew and they had and the pacers kind of had differing. <laughs> differing views and they didn't really have a crew chief so everyone's being pulled up pulled in different directions and unfortunately she ended up having the dnf because uh it wasn't just the crew but the crew just didn't mesh up so one wanted to go a little faster one wanted to have her slow down a little bit and take care of herself so well, that's happened before so it's important that especially if you can if they're going to be stuck in a car or stuck in a house or in a hotel for a weekend you definitely want to have personalities that mesh up and that get along and if that's not the case at least you have a crew chief that will make it get along because they're you know the buck stops with them you know this i'm the i'm the crew chief we're gonna do you know she's yeah. she or she has tasked me with this role so that everyone is just gonna have to defer to the crew chief so that's how that's that's why it's important to have the roles defined you need that leadership yep and what you said right there i think is great the, the calming influence among amongst the chaos because right. if any of us have been in a race and even experienced you know, aid stations and things like it, it can be chaotic yeah. and you need that calming mm-hmm. influence, that person that's going to deescalate, right. not escalate. Right. And it, it makes it important that they've seen, seen everything before. Absolutely. So nothing is new to them. So that's why it can, it, they can take the stress out of the situation because they know how to deal with it. And that was going to, one last thing I was going to ask about is being proactive, a big part of it. Cause I would imagine you're, you're almost trying to in, anticipate the needs of your runner. Right. So you've got a lot of time to sit there and go, okay, what what are they going to need when they get here? We want to have everything ready. They're going to be hungry. We want to have that ready. Right. So being a little bit proactive, mm-hmm. thinking ahead, I'm sure is a, a yeah, big part of you it. You know, they'll, uh, 
if there are races with at least cell service, you know, you can get kind of cues ahead of, okay, text us when you're model out, what do you want? So when they come in, we can take out, you know, all the, let's, you know, let's run to the aid station to get what do you, what do you need and trying to rush everything they can we can just have that stuff ready and you can also take little cues from your runner you know they you know at mile 60 they may have as much as we love the spring gels they may be tired of those already <laughs> and sometimes you know like uh, we uh, at cruel jewel we we got a we had a nice cheeseburger for Greg, and he he ate the whole thing he, <laughs> we just we were proactive it was like okay i think by now He's, He's probably going to want something else. And he, you know, it was a surprise to him. And it awesome. was a great surprise and he enjoyed it. So knowing some favorite foods that your runner might have and knowing when they could use a little treat that's not the typical aid station food is important. So yeah, especially taking cues from them and you, you kind of know what they're what they're going to need and what they're going to want. Having that ready ahead of time is a, is a big help. Man, talk about wisdom nuggets. We got a whole platter full just now in this last 30 minutes. Coach Greg, this is why you're Coach Greg. You have the experience, and we really appreciate you sharing. I think a lot of us who have maybe crewed once or twice or never done it, there's a little bit of a fear there. And I think I think knowing all the things that you just shared with us is super important. If someone's out there going, "Hey, I, I, I could use Coach Greg's help. How would they? How would they get? Are you taking new clients? How would they get in, in contact with you? Yeah, I am the. Uh, we're we're getting pretty we're getting pretty stacked with our team, but we have a uh, but you know people. You know, the big races and they'll kind of take a little coaching hiatus. So uh, we usually flow in and out. Uh, you can just, uh, the probably easiest part is to get on my Instagram, Ultra Ninja Runner, no E in the R, and there should be a link to my coaching ball. You can email me from there and we can reach out and see if we're a good fit. So again, most important part is just to reach out to any prospective coach that you're looking at, talk to them and make sure that you think everything's hard to kind of get a feel for online or especially on podcasts. I'm not the greatest public speaker, so whatever. <laughs> don't let, don't let the podcast, uh, you're uh, great on the podcast. First of all. Yeah. And second of all, I, when we started working together, that was one thing that I thought was great is you, you know, you said right up front, I may not be the best fit for you. Let's find out. And so that's, I think that's great. So ultra ninja runner on Instagram, yep. DM Greg, if you're interested in chatting with him, you take it from there. Yep. Awesome. Will you come back? And uh, I said earlier that uh, you hadn't been back in a while. We need to have you back on the on the regs, as as the kids say. Yeah. <laughs> Hope that you'll come back soon. Yep, I look forward to it. Uh, we have a big summer, and right now I'm training for my own hundred in September. So my training's about to ramp up, but we've got a lot of stuff going on. Um, you know, fall races are coming up, so a lot of big races for a lot of people. So it's an exciting time. Awesome, well, Greg. Thanks for being here, man. Yep. Anytime. Well, one of the things we love to do is to give shout outs and kudos to the big ass runners out there just making it happen. And today, kind of like last week, this is a version of last week. Last week, we just gave a shout out to the entire Big Ass Runner herd because we just appreciate you so much. But I want to give a shout out to a sub-segment of the Big Ass Runner herd. There are a lot of folks out there who listen to the show every week. I see the numbers. I'm so grateful. 
and we're never going to hear from you because you're not either on social media or you're, you're just not the kind that's going to reach out necessarily proactively, no really reason to, but you're out there listening, you're out there getting it done, you're out there getting in your runs, you're an everyday runner, bringing it as best you can, balancing life, balancing the challenges that we're all going through right now. I just want to give a big shout out and kudos to the big ass runner herd members that were they're just behind the scenes, so to speak. They're doing their thing, listening to the show. I just want to say thank you. We see you. We know you're out there. So thank you so much for your support by downloading this show every week. We're so thankful. With that, a big shout out and kudos to you. Way to go. Well, I wanted to bring back this segment. It's called Jeff, I Was Wondering, and it's just an opportunity for the Big S Runner Herd to ask any question that they might want to ask about the show, about me, all the above, the Bazers, Steven, Timmy Time. Why is Timmy Time's voice so so golden? Why is his range so amazing? I mean, anything really is on the table. And so we've gotten... A bunch of questions this week, and I'm going to go through them. We've got 10 questions from the Big S Runner Herd. Number one, Moose. Moose says, Jeff, I was wondering if you could replace one late night host on a show, what would it be and why? Never had this question. Never thought I'd be asked this question. You know, growing up, in the heyday of The Tonight Show with Johnny Carson, that to me is the standard. So The Tonight Show was my first thought. Like, what late night show host would I want to replace? Not that I could or should, but you know, certainly it's gone from Johnny to Jay Leno to now Jimmy Fallon. But I don't think that that would be the right fit for me. I have always loved Conan O'Brien. I just think he is his quirky brand of humor really fits me well. And while I certainly couldn't replace him, that would be the kind of style and show that I think I'd want to do. But he's no longer doing a show, so that's not an option. And then I thought the late, late show with James Carden. He's actually leaving in 2023 i believe and and maybe maybe that's a show i could i could be a host on you know why it's because of carpool karaoke can you imagine carpool karaoke timmy time version where we have timmy time singing with the artist that he's been <laughs> performing over the last two years I could drive. I could just observe. How amazing would it be? Car karaoke with Timmy Time. I think that would be a blast. So that's going to be my answer, Moose, would be the late, late show. I wouldn't even need to host that show, just that segment. Carpool karaoke. I think that'd be a lot of fun. There you go. Thank you, Moose, for that question. Well, T Juice 22 asks, what is your favorite segment? This is a tough one. This is almost like who who's your favorite kid? It's just very hard to pick. We've done lots of different segments. If you've listened to the show for a long period of time, 
you know, we like to do two segments per show. We'll do a little bit of an intro. We'll do a shout out and kudo and we'll do a close, but that's been the model. And part of the reason that we do that model is we want to bring the big ass runner herd some variety. We want to encourage and entertain. We want to produce segments that do that, that we think the big ass runner herd is going to resonate with. It's providing value providing encouragement or providing some entertainment with all that said, I think I've always said why I run is probably my favorite segment because we get to hear from the big S runner herd, love hearing the heart behind your whys, why you run, why you put the shoes on every week and get out there and hit the trails, hit those races, hit those milestones, hit those training runs. So I think the answer to the question What's my favorite is probably why I run. But if you ask me what's your favorite to do, like what do you have the most fun doing? Because why I run is is really a user-generated. So we ask different runners to, to do their why I run. By the way, if you'd like to share your why, why you run, let me know. We are actually going to be doing another three-part series here in a few weeks. So if you want to share your why, we would love for you to do that. Jeff at Big Ass Runner or DM me on Instagram. Probably my favorite one to actually record is Timmy time because you never know what you're going to get. I love music and Timmy times take on any one song is not predictable. It is so much fun when Steven's here to guess his guesses are, I think the funniest part. So for me, the most fun to do would be either Timmy time or certainly any Marcy Baser segment is hilarious. So those are probably the most fun to do, but my favorite I would say is why I run. And I think it's a favorite of a lot of the listeners as well. So thank you for that question. T juice 22, the great Elaine Valley asks, you just won a race entry into any race in the world. What race is it? And why? This is a great question. There's so many amazing races out there that I would love to do someday. I think my first thought was Western States because that is the Super Bowl of trail racing, at least here in the States. And, you know, I thought when I went to Black Canyon that if I could finish under 15 hours, I would get one entry into the lottery. I knew that wouldn't win it. Although there's like five or six or seven one entry lottery winners every year. So you never know. So you're saying there's a chance. But I think my first instinct was Western states. I think everyone would love to at least give that a go once in their career. UTMB certainly popped into my head as well because you know if, if there's a co-Super Bowl of trail racing, it is UTMB, certainly from a worldwide perspective. Never been to France, would love to experience the French Alps. So I think, I think that would be – I'm going to give you three – Elaine, I'm going to say Western States, UTMB. And then the third one might be a little bit of a surprise because it's actually a road race. But our buddy Henry won a lottery into the New York City Marathon. And I just love New York City. I took my boys there a few weeks ago. There's so much energy. I just think doing the New York City Marathon, seeing all parts, all the boroughs of New York City, would be awesome. There are probably a lot of races that I'm not even aware of 
around the world that would be super, super cool. So if you've got a race that you think would be awesome, let me know. The Big S Runner Herd. But those would be the three that come to mind for me. Western States, UTMB, and the New York City Marathon. And I need to, if I can probably make one of those happen. I think New York City Marathon's getting, not, I wouldn't say easier to get into, but I've I've heard several people that have made it in. So probably need to start entering my name into that one. Awesome. Well, thank you for that question, Elaine. Denver asks, if you could interview anyone famous, who would it be and why? This is a great question, Denver. I think I'm going to need to narrow it down. I'm going to say no one in the trail running world because that's not what really this show is about. We don't interview famous trail runners. That's There's tons of other shows that do that. Not that we would say no if you know, Jim Walmsley wanted to get on the show but that's really not what we do. So I'm going to eliminate the trail running world. And I'm also going to eliminate anyone that's not alive. So I'm going to leave it to people that are alive, not in the trail running world. And I've thought of a few runner ups. I've got a winner. I'll, I'll give you my final choice here at the end, but I've got a few runner ups and you're probably going to go, Jeff, these are, these are super, not very deep. <laughs> these are, that's okay. These, this is who I would want. I would love to hear from you who you would want to interview. The first would be Steve Carell because I just think he's hilarious. I love to laugh. We love to laugh on this show. Laughing, I think, is great therapy. I think Steve Carell would be an awesome interview. You know what they say. Fool me once, strike one. But fool me twice, strike three. He would be one of my runner-ups. Another would be Oprah. I think Oprah is the best interviewer, and I'm always trying to get better at that. And she's also just a a very interesting person, I think a very caring person. And so I think Oprah would teach me a lot in terms of how to conduct a great kind of in-depth, below-the-surface kind of an interview. So Oprah would be on the list as a runner up. Another runner up is this is someone that's actually been on the show. Wink, wink is in my favorite movie of all time. Shawshank Redemption. And that would be Morgan Freeman. It's an honor to be portrayed by the golden voiced Morgan Freeman. That man could read the phone book and make it sound interesting. I think he's a very interesting person. I love his voice. So just hearing his voice would be awesome. I would love to ask him about, making Shawshank and and how they did that and just some questions around that. Uh, I think he would be a really fascinating interview, Morgan Freeman. Another person, and I'm not necessarily a big fan of his band, but I think I am a big fan of just him and his humanitarian efforts, things he's done for, for AIDS and other, other humanitarian issues. And that would be Bono. I think Bono would be a very interesting interview. He would be definitely one of my runner-ups. And then the last one, this is going to surprise my my kids because I I don't necessarily love all of her music. There's a few songs I like, but I am very impressed with her creative process, her business mind, and I feel like she writes all her songs. She's a great a great marketer. 
and that would be Taylor Swift. I think she would be a very interesting interview. And I would want to, and I don't really care about her personal life as much as it would be you know, her creative process. How does she write songs? How does she come up with ideas? Kind of what we do for the show. Like I would love to know the creative process that she goes through. So those are all my runners up. The person I would love to interview, this is a person, those people that know me, this is going to be no surprise, but there is someone I think is an absolute creative genius who has written, I think the, I think he's the best songwriter of all time, has written songs that you would know he wrote because he, he's a lead person in a band that's one of my favorite bands. But he's also written songs for other people. He wrote Grease for the movie Grease. He wrote Islands in the Stream for Dolly Parton and Kenny Rogers. He's written a lot of stuff that is just amazing. Plus, he wrote everything for the Bee Gees. And that, of course, is the great Barry Gibb. I think it's also interesting because he is the oldest brother of four brothers, the brothers Gibb. And all three have passed away. And I just know he's lived a lot of life. He's seen a lot of things. I think he's gone through kind of a spiritual journey as well. And so I just think he'd be a really interesting person to talk to. The interviews I've seen from him, he's he's got a lot of depth to him. So I would love to interview the great Barry Gibb. That would be my choice. Denver, awesome, awesome question. Well, Lucy Dog Adventures asks, how many miles do you run in a week? And the answer, Lucy, unfortunately, is not enough. I have gone through, after I did Black Canyon in February, and then we had a half marathon at Grasslands not too far after, I hit a lull. I hit, I say burnout. It's really not, it's not burnout because I still love getting out there. It was just, I think I just needed a break more than anything else. And also, and I was talking, we'll talk to Coach Greg about this a little bit. I kind of need that thing out there that you need to accomplish that, that carrot that says I need to get out and, and log the miles. I was using the heat as an excuse, but and we're, we're going to talk with coach Greg about running in the heat in a, in a few episodes, but went through a lull. I was just not getting, I was probably in the teens to answer your question. And I want to be where I want to be. If I'm just on a normal, not training necessarily for anything, big or long or getting close to that race, I want to be in the 20s and 30s. And I was doing a lot more Peloton than I was doing running. And so I'm flipping that. So answer your question. It's It was in the teens, but hopefully you'll see if you follow me on Strava, which I encourage, I would love to follow anyone uh, on Strava. Hopefully you'll see that in the 20s and 30s. So need to run more miles and I need to build that base back up. But thank you for that question, Lucy Dog Adventures. All right. Well, Kelly asks, what's your current favorite running gear? Yeah, you know, I appreciate you asking me, Kelly, because Stephen is the gearhead. He's He has the Stephen's new ass stuff. Listen to last week's episode. You'll get a little segment within a segment. He does a Stephen's new ass stuff segment within his segment. But a few of my favorites, first of all, you've heard me say this, the AirDot shirts from Path Projects at AirDot Technology is like running without a shirt on. It is so cooling and light. And in this heat that we're in right now, it is a game changer. So the AirDot, there's a sleeveless and a sleeved version. 
Highly, highly recommend that, pathprojects.com. The Naked Belt, I've said it before, but the Naked Belt is money. I don't even know I have it on. And in this heat, carrying water is important. So the Naked Belt, Naked Belt, Naked Belt is fantastic. Also, the non-elite hat from Path Projects as well has been a favorite. I said this before with Stephen too. It it fits well forward and backwards, which is unusual for me. So love that one. But the last one I'll leave you, I don't think I've talked much about this. We talk about electrolytes with Coach Greg in a couple of weeks. But the electrolytes from BPN, so Bear Performance Nutrition, it's a, uh, a lot of people have heard of Nick Bear. He's kind of with this hybrid athlete. He's ripped, but he also does endurance. He did the Rocky Raccoon 100 just to finish a marathon up in New York. But he's got a product, Electrolytes, and is really good. I, I'm not a huge tailwind. I'll drink it. I like noon, the tablets, but the electrolyte powder from Bear Performance Nutrition is my current favorite. Just reordered it. And I pretty much put a scoop in with all my water just to keep those electrolytes flowing. So there you go. There's some wearables and and a nutrition tip for you, Kelly. Thank you for that question. Well, Miss Extra Mile asks, what state in the U.S. have you not been to that is on your list to visit? Well, thank you for that. Question, Miss Extra Mile. There's about 10 states I've got left to visit. I've hit, been able to travel quite a bit in my career. So I think I've got 10 left to go to to get all 50. The hardest is going to be Alaska. I've been to Hawaii, but I've not been to Alaska. So that's certainly on the list. But probably number one is Montana. I'm just fascinated with it. Yellowstone is probably part of it, the show. But also just know how beautiful it is in that area. And I think you've, if you listen to the show, you know we are going to be doing the Whitefish 50K in 2023, in October of 2023. So we will be headed to Montana, if not before then, by then for sure. And we're very excited. So that would be number one on my list right now. Miss Extra Mile would be Montana. Curious Caroline, where do you get segment ideas and are you open to suggestions? The answer is absolutely yes, we are open to suggestions. And that's actually where we get some of the ideas. They've been user generated. We'll have people reach out and say, hey, I saw this or thought about this or make a good segment. And we love that. So if you do have ideas for segments, we want to hear them. Where they generally come from is the trail. So we'll be out on the trail running and we'll either come across something or an idea will hit us if we're running together or if I'm by myself, something might pop up. So they kind of come from all over, but I would say they generate from the trail. And kind of the filter I use is, is this going to be encouraging to someone? Is this going to be entertaining to someone? Is this going to be helpful? Is it going to add value in some way? It could be just a laugh or it could be just some great information like you just got from Coach Greg. So ideas can come from a lot of places, but I would say they generate typically from the trail or from a race or from our experience. And they're filtered through this idea of, is this going to add value? Is this going to entertain and or encourage the Big S Runner herd? And if you have ideas, we'd love to hear them. Jeff at BigSRunner.com. 
Well, Getty L says, who are your favorite music artists? Well, I gave one away. BG's certainly one of my favorites. Timmy time, of course, but I'm, yeah, I'm grew up in the eighties. So I'm a kind of an eighties guy. Love what's now considered classic rock. Of course, when I grew up, it was rock, but Journey, Boston, Def Leppard. I love ABBA, the Bee Gees I've mentioned. Love some Earth, Wind, and Fire. Love some Boys to Men. 80s country, like Alabama, Oak Ridge Boys. You know, we talk about John Denver. We joke about that on the show. Love John Denver. And probably if you said, you know, what's your favorite style? I'm a huge ballad. I love the ballad. I love the rock ballad, the hair ballads. Love Luther Vandross ballads. Jeffrey Osborne. I'm a big, big fan of the ballad. And then I'd say more recent. I need to, I need to get up to speed on more recent stuff. Honestly, it just kind of confuses me, but I love Adele. There's a band called the head and the heart out of Seattle. That's more of a folky kind of band. I really like them. And my, my sons are trying to get me to listen to more cool things like Charlie Crockett. So I'm trying to learn, trying to grow. If you have recommendations based on, what you just heard I like, if you have ideas on more you know, newer stuff that you think I like, I would certainly love to hear it. Well, thank you, Getty L, for that question. The last question we've got is question number 10 from Marley. Jeff, I was wondering, we love the Big Ass Runner. Thank you for that. What's the best way to support the show? Well, I really appreciate this. There's actually three ways. Two of them are absolutely free. One is tell your friends about it. I think that's one of the best ways. If you like the show, love the show, appreciate the show in any way, tell your friend, many of you have, but tell your friends about it. Leave us a review, another free way to support the show on Apple. We have not gotten a new review since May 21st. So there's a challenge, triple dog dare challenge. If you could leave us a review on Apple Podcasts if you've not done. A lot of you have already, so thank you for that. But if you have not, Apple Podcasts, free way to do it. About 80% of our listeners are on Apple, and that's why it's important. So thank you if you can leave us a review, an honest review. And then the third way is supporting our partners. We've got awesome partners. We only partner with people we love, companies we love, products we love, pathprojects.com myaderm.com, the best CBD. By the way, I just got some of their face cleaner. It's kind of a foam and their anti-wrinkle cream as well. Money. I look like I'm 12. It's It works so good. It's amazing. Myaderm.com. Make sure you use the code to get a discount. Big run. Yes, big run run, you will get you a 20% discount, myaderm.com. I've heard from them and a lot of you have taken us up on that. So thank you for supporting that. But yeah, supporting our sponsors, Path Projects, Myaderm, vanderjacket.com, the best running jackets, vests, and she just has some cool shirts commemorating some really awesome athletes, vanderjacket.com. And then, of course, for your chafing issues, the way to solve that problem, Salty Britches. Go to GetSaltyBritches.com and use the code BIGASSRUNNER for 20% off. 
that's the best way. Those are the three ways, two free and one, you know, you're going to spend some money on these things anyway. Path Projects, Myoderm, Vanderjacket, and Salty Britches. Well, I hope that was valuable. Appreciate the questions. That is the segment called Jeff, I Was Wondering. You can tell by the way I use my walk. I'm a woman's man. No time to talk. Music loud and women warm. I've been kicked around since I was born saying it's all right. It's okay, you can look the other way You can try to understand The New York Times affects some man Whether your brother, whether your mother We're just staying alive, staying alive Feel the city breaking and everybody shaking We're just staying alive, staying alive Well, believe it or not, that is the end of episode number 101 of The Big Ass Runner. We appreciate you listening. Thanks to everyone who is part of this show, to Steve for that amazing intro, to Coach Greg for bringing us the wisdom, a platter of wisdom nuggets, to The Big Ass Runner Heard for submitting questions to the Jeff I Was Wondering segment, and to all The Big Ass Runner Heard out there who we just don't ever hear from and won't, but listen to the show. We we hear you. We see you. And we appreciate you. So thank you so much. Also to our great partners, Path Projects, Maya Derm, Salty Bridges, and the great Sarah Vandernoot at Vanderjacket. We appreciate you so much. And the person that makes us sound so good, Steve Sasparilla Saunders. Well, with that, thanks again for listening to the show. Get out there, hit those trails, and keep running your asses off. Runners up, runner ups, runners up, runner up, runner ups. Well, I hope that was valuable. Appreciate the questions. That is the segment called Ask Jeff Anything. That is the segment called Ask. That is the segment called Jeff I Was Wondering. Time is on my side to quote the Rolling Stones, where if they get much older, these strolling bones.